all of this is to say it didn't come with like no trials. Even later on in my career, I've even been fired for not any patient care related thing, but um, really for a conference call, which is really ridiculous. So, I mean, I feel like I've gone through a lot, which has been really great to teach me um, never to trust the job you have. You're very expendable. Even as a nurse, you can be easily replaced and never basically live paycheck to paycheck because there's going to be a time when you're probably going to need the money that you've saved. Um, And I feel like I've learned that at 26 years old with the first layoff. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 164. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world? Good. Pretty well. Nothing too much. Nothing new here. Getting into December year-end. Going to do a year-end uh, net worth update. So that'll be fun. Kind of a weird year if you're tracking your net worth monthly or even quarterly, right? You you dipped down and now you dipped right back up. Yeah, totally. We've had several millionaires, you know, kind of talk about that. And you didn't go negative during COVID, did you? Did I lose money? No. Like, did you go negative? Like, negative net worth? Oh, man, I got close. I I was like, you know, it was close, but I I stayed in the positive. Didn't quite get to the red. Uh, Me too, man. It it, it got a little nerve-wracking there. I think it was like February, man. I remember being in a hotel and and, and the market was just dropping like a rock. And I was like, oh, man. And I was like, man, I got some cash on the sidelines. I pull it now or not, you know, trying to time. But I still had all this. I was planning on investing. Just like, do I do it now or do I not? And then obviously March came around and just got crushed, you know, right at the end of the or right at the beginning of the pandemic and stuff. And now we've seen quite the bull run since, you know, at least what, mid-May, June? Yeah, crazy how much it's come back. Yeah, probably. Yeah, when did it start coming up? I think you started turning the corner really at the beginning of of like or mid April rather. But yeah, crazy, especially in the last month and a half here. Yeah, and we've had go what see Airbnb IPO, DoorDash IPO. We had some interesting IPOs and some some other interesting spacs that have taken place too over the last few months. It's just been very interesting market and stuff. Does it change your investment strategy at all going into twenty twenty one? Uh, so I kind of, I kind of dabbled in some of the SPACs just for fun. You know, I don't know anything really about them, which is, I guess, an interesting investment. But part of me was just, hey, take a little bit of risk and and see if there's some reward. But has, has Airbnb already done their IPO? Yeah, I think it's just uh, third, Wednesday or Thursday of last week. Okay, so just barely. And how did it perform? I didn't see. I don't know either. I didn't look. I, I know DoorDash was about the same time thing. It was like Wednesday DoorDash. I think they were priced at like, I don't know, $102 a share I saw. It was like raising 27 to 30 some billion dollars or something. Same thing on, on Airbnb. So, those will be interesting ones to watch, right? Like Airbnb, especially that business. I mean, they took a massive hit at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, just losing. Yeah. Ton- I think yeah. they had to do like a billion plus dollars in refunds. And yeah. cut, 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 much like Marriott did. I mean, Marriott's hospitality, they just had to cut, cut, cut and got profitable this last quarter, or just barely, which is pretty phenomenal. It'll be a great case study in the future, you know, if anybody wants to dig into the numbers there and stuff, because those businesses took a significant hit. And when, you, when you've when you got a cruise ship that large and you've got to cut, 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 cut expenses, I mean, it takes a while. And those companies did it, 
extremely quickly. Totally. And, and the airlines too, right? Amazing how fast you're able to cut expenses when you're burning. I mean, some of them are burning, what, like over $100 million a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy money when you start thinking about that. $100 million a day. I know. Insane. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the, the cruise companies and, and some of those other ones that have essentially been out of business for eight months, nine months, 10 months. Right. I mean, weird, weird year, but any goals that you're going to set going into 2021 for, for yourself and, and financially or anything you're changing? Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm still working on them. Have you finalized yours? Nah, still working, man. It'll be probably another couple of weeks before I, I kind of finalize. I always, my goals are really actually a, a, always kind of a work in progress. I reevaluate right. every month. Obviously, at the year, I, 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 there's different things I check, but I've, I've really tried to adopt, you know, a lot more of a, you know, David Osborne style of goal setting and he was episode 100. And so, I, you know, I spend a lot more time than I ever did on, it's not just creating goals, but creating the habits and, and putting myself in, in you know, the, the situation to be able to, to accomplish those things. So, it, it, it takes a lot of time to think through it and put my schedule together and, and, you know, make those habits, really habits instead of just like, oh, hey, I'm trying to reach this, you know, this peak of this goal or whatever. Sure, sure. Right. Agreed. So, on today's show, we've got Chloe. She's a nurse practitioner and net worth of just over $600,000. Got 100000 of that in cash right now. Most of her equity investments are in U.S. stocks, over 80-some percent. We discuss her career journey and goals to gain financial independence. This can be a great episode with her. Last week, we had David. He's recently retired and net worth of $6.4 million. He's about $2 million in real estate, $3 million in IRAs, one of the higher IRA balances that we've had on the show. He's got 600000 in deferred compensation and also has some self-directed IRAs, which plans to use for real estate investment opportunities. So great episode with him. So if you're interested in that, go check that out. Once again, we got several opportunities in real estate coming up here, multifamily, commercial. If you're interested, reach out to us, get on a call and, and walk through some things with y'all. Appreciate those that have reached out already and, and continue to do so. If you're interested to be on the show, reach out to us, millionairesinveiled at gmail.com. We'd love to, to schedule a time with you to, to have you on the show and, and dig into your story and your net worth. But without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Chloe. Chloe, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah. So, I'm actually a nurse practitioner, uh, lived in Connecticut, moved out to Washington for higher pay, and uh, just on the rat race to try to stop working. Awesome. A little bit of geo-arbitrage <laughs> to start us off. So, what's your net worth today? Uh, my net worth today, like literally today, was 641000 So, that's gone up since... March of 2020. So I'm pretty pleased, but um, not a millionaire yet. Yeah, you know, we, we we tend to feature those that are well on their way and, and, and I know you'll be there super soon. So let's break that down a little bit. The 640, how is that broken up? So I've got about 108 sitting in cash, so 108,000, which is uncomfortable, but I guess I'll start out with that. I want to invest it, but we're kind of saving for a house down payment. Or maybe use it in real estate because I have no real estate. So right now, that's kind of just sitting. It's kind of our security blanket at the moment, given that um, a lot of craziness has happened this year. So that's in cash. And then I have 510000 invested in various stocks, but mostly um, like 88% US stocks. Now, are those individual stocks that you've purchased in a taxable account or Robinhood type account, or are they in a, a retirement type of vehicle? They're in a bunch of things. So, um, my husband has a retirement vehicle. He has a 401k. 
I have a 403B and a 457, which I've learned is kind of like like the gravy on top. So I I kind of in double dipping in pre-tax investment vehicles, I guess. And then um, we've got some in a Roth and some in traditional IRAs. We're not at all in um, Robinhood or anything like that, but we do have a couple of individual stocks bought through Charles Schwab and uh, Vanguard. So I have a little Tesla, only 4000 So it's like really just nothing. And then um, he actually has more that I discovered today than I thought he had. So he has he has got about 17000 in this AMD stock that has really increased quite big. I think he put in 4000 and it's now seventeen. And then um, Infotech stocks, he's got about 43000 in that, but he feels pretty strongly. The rest is mostly in VTSAX. I think because I've rolled over some previous 401ks, it's like a dabbling in REITs. There's a little bit of alternatives. There's a little bit of um, like some bonds and stuff, but so minor, it's like 1%. So, Chloe, I want to get into the, the individual stock picks a little bit. Is that something that, that y'all started, you know, let's just say when you graduated college, or is that something that's evolved over time as you've kind of built up a, your net worth and, and decided that you can take some different risks? Yeah. So, I started, I actually started. My dad actually started a um, investment vehicle. It was just a brokerage account. It was actually probably poorly invested, but he started it when I was five. And he put in, I think, minimal amounts of money, $50 a month or something, whatever he could afford. And that was supposed to be for my college fund. And I ended up not using it for college. So that kind of started off. Not only did I have no debt coming out of college, which was purely, I would say luck, <laughs> but I did have no debt coming out. I did actually get to start off with about 24000 that he gifted me. So that was like very propelling. And he always told me that I could always own a little bit of Disney. I could always own a little bit of things, but we never actually acted on it, which is um, I hope to do that with my like future children. Because if we did, I think I would have learned a great lesson. But I was aware of what investing is. And I knew I had this money. So once I started to learn more about the points that like they charge you, the fees, <laughs> I'll say fees. <laughs> once I started learning about high fees, I then removed that money from the high fee mutual account that he had, mutual fund, and I moved it to an index fund. And that was at like 25 years old. I had already started putting money into a 401k when I started working as a nurse at 21 years old. But I wasn't really heavily investing because I thought like 10% was great. And everyone told me it was great. So um, I started at 21. And then I think I was just doing the... Um, I kind of forget. But I think I was just doing the retirement date funds because that was easy for a 21-year-old to understand. And I was choosing like 2050 or something like that. But then I kind of learned a lot about VTSAX and how just broad-based index funds would um, give me a big swath of the market. So I started moving stuff over. Whenever I had put it into traditional IRA, I would then move it into VTSAX. I bought Tesla probably five years ago, I think. Um, it really hasn't moved up that much. It actually I think is negative, but I have to double check that. Um, and then my husband bought AMD stock a while ago, and it has done really well. 
Um, the info tech stocks, I think he's just started. Now that he feels like we're on a good path, I think he feels a little bit more comfortable investing in things that he like truly believes in. But it is an index fund of info tech stocks. But to me, it's like something I'm not familiar with. So I like I think I like to play it a little bit safer. But he definitely would like to take more risks to uh, earn faster. I might add, you probably should check that Tesla account. Tesla's been on a tear lately, so I, I highly doubt you're underwater on that one if you bought five years ago. <laughs> it's, it's closed over like 1500 I think it's probably been the hottest stock in, in 2020, and definitely during the pandemic for sure. But they, I think they report earnings. We're recording this in the middle of July, late July, and they re, they report earnings uh, t- tomorrow uh, post-close. So who knows what will happen then. But anyway, that's mm. neither here nor there. So I, I want to discuss a little bit because you bring up you and your husband and doing finances, investing. What were the conversations like when you all started and, and did you have different approaches? How did you get on the same page? You still have different approaches. You know, what what what's kind of the dynamic there? Yeah, I feel pretty lucky because he's not a super spender. He definitely came into the relationship investing as well. You know, that was really pure luck because that wasn't um, sort of like my driving factor. When we first started, I definitely have always made more money than him. He's He's been doing different things. He got his marketing degree and um, he's finally found a good fit out here in Washington so that he can uh, like actually start to make some money. So this year has actually been the first year that he may surpass me. But he's always tried to invest what he could. I I think for many years, he never had the option to have like a 401k. So he has more in like a brokerage account. I I know he dabbled in a little silver once and that was not a good move. (laughs) Um, It might be doing okay now. I don't know. But um, he's never been a spender, which I think is really a bigger key because we really don't fight about overspending in certain areas. He also stays home to work every day. So he his expenditures are not really on gas and uh he doesn't really like to buy many clothes cuz he doesn't have to look really good for work every day so it works in my favor i think i am a little bit more frugal but um in general we're on the same page we we try to stay on the same page i will talk about money we both would love to have like a million dollars at 40 and i think we're we're probably on track to get that. Um, I know his goal this year is to have 750 at the end of the year if it's like a fantastic year. But I don't know. That's like a you know a reach. Oh, it's good. It's a good answer. I appreciate you sharing it. And 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 I want to just go back to something that Jace asked or that or that you mentioned when Jace asked a question is managing the risk that maybe your husband wants to be a little bit more aggressive. How do you manage it? I think we all face it regardless of age or net worth, right? Even if you're holding cash, you say to yourself, okay, should I put it in a Marcus, Goldman Marcus account and earn whatever it's at now, 1.1 or something? Or should I stick it in the stock market? Or should I buy bonds, right? It, it's like this never-ending question of how much risk should I take? And if I'm if I'm holding cash to either buy a house, like you mentioned, or to buy an investment, what do I do with the cash while I'm waiting, right? So how do you view that? How do you how do you both, I mean, working with your husband, obviously, how do you determine how much risk you guys want to take? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think we're both pretty not risk averse, but we're just not super knowledgeable, say, in like the real estate area. We've never bought our own house, so we've never closed on a house. We've never worked with a realtor. 
to then jump ahead and think about having to manage a property or I don't know. I don't know how you do any of that. It stresses me out. I've read one Bigger Pockets book and I think I was turned off by real estate investing because I was like, oh my gosh, this is just too much. I would get a management company, definitely. For now, I think I am in a little bit of a limbo, mainly because we just literally that cash has kind of just come into our lives. So it would be a great time to utilize it with the low interest rates and get a house. We just happen to live in like a super expensive area. And I don't like any of the houses that I see in a half million dollar range. (laughs) So we're, I bet that's when I think, okay, well, if I don't want to buy a house here, perhaps I want to buy a, a real estate investment property outside of Washington. And we've talked about that. I think he has even mentioned like maybe real estate is our next move, but we don't, we haven't acted on it. But once again, this is like newly come into our lives. Um, I had, I think I was sitting on like 40,000 cash for like way too long, probably the last two years or something. But um, sometimes the cash is a security blanket and does make you feel like you can sleep at night. I do try to max out every other vehicle. So I max out the 457, which is, you know, 19,500. I max out the 403B. He maxes out his 401k. We try to max out Roths, which I think we did traditional last year, but we're going to only be avail like able to do a Roth this year. So we try to max out everything else. So if we're sitting on a little bit of cash that we can utilize, uh, you know, maybe for some other type of investment, I think we're both pretty comfortable with that. Since we're having a baby this year, that's another reason we're probably just going to hold on to a little bit of cash. I won't be working for about six months during maternity leave, um, though I have kind of figured out a way to cover that and basically get paid for the entire time. But I guess I just know where he stands. Um, we do talk about it frequently, but um, I, I guess planning for the future, maybe we're not doing a great job at that because we don't really know what we want to do with this money. I'd show him houses. We both hate them. (laughs) I don't really want to spend a million dollars on a house because then my net worth is going to be negative $400,000. And I don't love that feel that idea. And I don't think these houses are worth what they're being priced at. So um, what my plan is, and I think he's aware of this too, um, because we definitely talk about this is that I probably will try to stay here for another five years, have a second child. I am very happy with my job. And um, I'm also really happy with the Washington Paid Family Medical Leave Act. And I think that we can save significant money in five years and then maybe go to a lower cost of living um, area when we're either at a million dollars or I would love to have a, like 1.5 because I think it's like a 98% projectile that I would make it till I'm 100 years old or something and the money would last. So I think 1.5 is really much better. But we're probably going to not stay in Washington. If if I'm not needing to work here for the pay and he can work from home, then we'll probably leave to some other beautiful state, but with a lot lower lower cost of living. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good answer. Thank you. And, and you mentioned working right or five more years six more years and and you mentioned the rat race at the beginning is that something that's on the radar for you guys to to retire early is that on the radar for him i think it definitely is for me mainly because i would love to stay home with children and not 
feel that I have to divide my time between um, being at home and also working. I do love my job, but um, it's always been purely for money. It's very fulfilling, the career I've gone into. But I've never been someone that's bored. A lot of people are like, well, what would you do from home? I have started businesses and um, moved across the country and things like that. So I, I don't feel my mind is always kind of reaching further for what else life has in store. So I never really get bored. Um, I don't think not working would make me be feel bored. I think I would actually probably utilize my licenses and, and degrees and stuff in a different fashion. So I would like to stay home with kids. I'd like to have time with my family and children and then um, make work work for me in my life, not me feeling like I have to be full time um, to make ends meet or anything like that. Yeah, thanks. It, the house thing's hard, you know, the, like, I mean, Jace, you've been through it a couple of times. I'll eventually go through it when we leave New York. But I mean, how much house to buy and how much to spend and if it's going to be a starter home and how many kids you're going to have and is, are you going to stay in it for five years? It's just a tough. That's just a tough decision, I think, all around, right? And, and and what you mentioned, how much to put into a house, right? Especially if you're trying to get ahead and invest. You're like, okay, if I buy a if I if I don't do an FHA and I buy a four hundred thousand dollar house, that 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 takes a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Ish, if 80, 80, 75, whatever. If I'm putting twenty percent down. Yeah, yeah, and we have about we have about twenty percent for a half million dollar home. But when I look at those homes, they are the equivalent in Connecticut. They'd be like a $350,000 home and they need work. And so I think I would just be really unhappy for the next five to six years. I think I've read that six years is like the happy sweet spot for when you should sell. But I don't want to be unhappy for five years and underwater or at least have a negative net worth because I've always had a positive net worth. Literally coming out of college, I had that $24,000. <laughs> so I don't know what that feels like. I I was thinking recently, I have never been in debt. I've had loans that I could easily pay, um, even pay off. But I've never, I've never been able to say like, oh, I have, you know, ne- negative $40,000 in student loans or something. And I don't know what that would do to me. I think I wouldn't like that feeling. But a lot of people live that way every single day. So I've been very, very lucky. So you guys have no debt now, I assume. Yeah, we both have never had student loan debt. <laughs> and we don't own anything. So we we do pay high taxes. But we don't own a house. We own our cars. I did buy a new car when I was like 23. Maybe that's a regret. Maybe not because it's still running great. And I'm probably going to keep you know, keep it for another 10 years. So that actually probably will turn into a, a good purchase. And then, um, yeah, both no debt. So thinking about going into debt is hard. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agree with you. Do you guys budget? Do you do a, a strict budget monthly or any budget at all? We don't strictly budget. I do some like I want to know how much money I'm paying in utilities, or how much our expenses are every month. So I know our expenses are about $5,000 every month, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. I could probably cut that if I didn't want to eat organic and I didn't take road trips every now and then to see beautiful Washington and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm okay with spending money in terms of what I value. So that's about $5,000 a month. And I think that's pretty equal to what we used to spend even in Connecticut. But I think a lot, I hear a lot of people spending like 2,500 in like these middle of the country states. So maybe that's in our future. I don't know if they're eating rice and beans or what, but 
um, we don't strictly budget. I just kind of know what we're spending every month. I do look at it and try to classify it in mint, but that also frustrates me frequently because it mint doesn't do a great job all the time. (laughs) (laughs) We, We hear that often. So, Chloe, we've discussed a little bit about your background and how you grew up and, and your dad looking at, you know, saying you could buy some Disney and and some stuff. And, and did your husband grow up in a similar background? You know, I don't know how well his parents are doing. I think they're pretty middle income family. Um, they're both working still in their young 60s. And I think they're going to keep working until they feel comfortable. So I don't think they'll I don't think they'll retire it. 64 or whatever. But um, my parents are definitely not doing well and not well off. And that is a slight burden on me because I don't know what the expectation is on me. I moved 3000 miles to probably partially get away from it and not feel like they could depend on me. But my parents got divorced when I was about 15. And I think my mom was a stay at home mom and my dad always worked Uh, multiple jobs. He still is constantly working. I think he changes like 10 jobs in two years, something like that. So I don't keep track anymore. But they both don't. I think he has an associate's degree and he's always been like a salesman. But he has put money in the stock market. And I hope there's still money in the stock market for him. Um, He also was able to buy a house. He definitely came from the bottom and has tried to make a living, but it's never been easy for him. And I think that subtly is something I watched my whole life. My mom is definitely struggling because she does not have a college degree. She also is one of those people that really doesn't like having a boss or being disciplined or being expected to show up at 9am and having to leave at five and only getting one break. She likes to run her own course in life. So her jobs are very um, contracted with no benefits. And it's always a very scary situation because I never really know what her like healthcare situation is. I know there is zero dollars for retirement. So I'm probably her retirement investment. But I don't think we could live together all that well. So I think she might know that. If I had to say no, I think I'm strong enough to say no. But th- this is definitely the this is the big question mark in our financial future because I don't know how much of a burden my, my parents might play in into it, and I won't know until we're there because talking to them is nearly impossible. I think they're just betting on dying or something. It's really terrible, but I I really think that my mom just thinks she won't have a retirement and it's not deal. So let's not think about it. My father, I believe, wants to move to Thailand. And I think he might have enough for that. I hope I'm I'm in full support of that. If that's where he could have a happy retirement and his money could go further, we would totally visit him in Thailand. And that would be maybe I'll end up in Thailand, too. I don't know. But um, he he did always try to put in that little seed of investing and saving. And he definitely helped start that thought process, but it might have just been innate in me to be more of a saver than a spender because of how my parents were living. And then um, I also had one college professor who taught taught us about the Roth um, IRA. And I wish I took his advice when I was, I guess, 18 years old, because he basically said, you know, if you put in this much money, then calculate the um, exponential growth and you'll be a millionaire by 40 years old or something like by just putting in this small amount of money now, and it'll all be tax free. 
And so that professor I still think of because that was a really good teaching um, moment for me. And I did start to look into things like that. And it was probably like playing on my mind. I opened my first Roth account, I think when I was like 25. But um, my dad always said, you know, if you have an option for a 401k, open it up, put some money in it. You won't even think about it. Just siphon some money off before you even realize that you're supposed to get paid that. (laughs) It's pretty remarkable hearing you just describe those little, I guess, seeds, if you will, that have planted and have really made a remarkable impact on your life, I would say, you know, in terms of the way that you view your financial life and, and doing what you've been able to do. How did you end up paying for school and becoming debt-free through all that? So, when I I was a pretty good student and I wouldn't say I'm not that intelligent. I'm pretty average in this in this whole investing thing. I just try to put my money in VTSAX and I don't really look at it and I don't really think about it. As a student, I think I was a good student. I think I had a 3.5 or something in high school. I got into a couple of good colleges. Some some were private. And I knew I wanted to be a nurse. So my dad, actually, I had more scholarships and um, grants available to me if I went to the public school. And so my dad was like, I really think you should take the money. If this is if this is who's going to give you more money than the private school, and the private school costs triple the amount, you should really go. You can probably get the same education in both these places. So I'm glad he said that. I don't remember him saying that, but I'm pretty sure he was the influence. And so I went with the public school. And now whenever I talk to people that want to be a nurse, I usually say all these schools, they need to be certified the same. They basically have to provide you a quality education that you will then pass um, the like NCLEX exam. So you will essentially get the same education in any private or public school if it's teaching nursing to the bachelor level. So I definitely got a great education past my schooling. Um, I had a lot of lo- I had a lot of grants and a lot of scholarships. I did have one Perkins loan, and it wasn't for much. It might have been ten thousand dollars, but then I ended up working as an RN in an inner city hospital, and they ended up paying that off for me while I was working. All of this is to say, it didn't come with like no trials. I was laid off as a nurse and they didn't finish paying off that um, Perkins loan. I ended up finishing paying it off. I think it was like $3,000 or something, which was so easy to pay off. Even later on in my career, I've even been fired for not any patient care related thing, but um, really for a conference call, which is really ridiculous. So, I mean, I feel like I've gone through a lot, which has been really great to teach me um, never to trust the job you have, you're very expendable. Even as a nurse, you can be easily replaced and never basically live paycheck to paycheck because there's going to be a time when you're probably going to need the money that you've saved. Um, and I feel like I've learned that at 26 years old with the first layoff. Did that answer the question? Are you? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a really good answer. I mean, it's, what you just said, I think is, is totally true. And I think we've had other people come on the show is, is, I mean, the people that are searching for financial independence and the freedom, right? That That's why it is. Because you realize, look, at any point, I could lose my job or something could happen. And so I think your point, 100% agree. I think a lot of us think sometimes that we're indispensable or we work in a field maybe where we can always find a job and you know, yeah, you could probably move to a different state and find another nursing job, but you don't necessarily want to do that, especially if you have a couple kids or something, right? So I think it's a it's a really good point to make. Yeah. And 
it is the nursing field is great because there are plenty of jobs. And right now, I think with uh, the pandemic, there's definitely a need for more nurses. And there's probably going to be not as many people interested in going into that field. Just like any business, it's a business and they're always they're always under. Um, they're never making great money. They're always hurting in some way. And that's actually what happened with the first layoff is um, I had almost there's like so many pain points because I had almost reached my five year mark where I would have been fully vested in their match. So that whole time I had been putting in money, I lost about $10,000, which I don't know what it would be now, but I'm sure it would have grown significantly. So I almost fought that, but I then didn't because I, I couldn't really, it was, I was 20 days away from the five year mark. Just things don't always play out the way you want them to. So I think even even though there's plenty of jobs out there, I probably wouldn't love every nursing job. I don't particularly want to work in a hospital. So I think all of that is why we've been saving. And then when I went into to get my master's, um, I just went to a southern online school, which was great because I already had connections with OBGYNs because I worked in the medical field. Um, and so I was trained by the doctors in my location, but I did all of my um, papers and testing via online with a cheaper school because South school, Southern schools are a little bit cheaper. So I went that route, even though I had looked at like Columbia in New York City I decided not to do Columbia. And so we I just paid off the the master's education. And that was not that expensive. Now I think it is very expensive. Right in line with your thought of having no debt, right? Yes. There you go. So just in closing here, just before we end up with uh, some last words of advice, just going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. So what's the most expensive car you've ever purchased? Um, I purchased a $23,000 Nissan Rogue in in 2011. <laughs> okay. What about most expensive meal out that you've personally paid for? Um, at least $200. That is not hard to do in the Seattle location or New York. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. With you there. Uh, what item or experiences is worth spending more money on to you? What's worth the money? I definitely love travel, but I even don't think, I mean, it is worth spending money on. But there's so many ways to not spend money on travel. So we we do the whole travel hacking thing. We have probably 500,000 points or something just waiting for this pandemic to be over. So we can travel on very cheap, but I do appreciate experiences over things. Yeah. And on the flip side, what's not worth the money? What things, I guess, are not worth the money? Hmm, I think food is worth the money. So I... I <laughs> that doesn't answer the question. But I... Things that I really don't value, probably cars. I mean, I, I did buy a new car, but I would never do that again. My car's looking pretty old now, but I really, it, I have no one to impress. So I just go from point A to point B. And if I continue <laughs> to do that, <laughs> that would be good. I don't value million dollar homes in the, the West Coast because they look terrible. And some of them, some of them are just straight seventies. So <laughs> they need so much work. But there's other things I don't value too, and I'm sorry I can't think of others. No, 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 it's all it's all good. Uh, do you have a goal on what age you want to become a millionaire, or is that a goal for you? I would love to become a millionaire by 40, but if I could do that sooner, I would really, I would really like to be like 1.5 by 40 because now I realize that's a safer bet to get us through the rest of our lives. And with children, I don't know how much they're going to cost us, so I think more money is probably better. So I think we're going to be working. I'm going to be working at least until 40. Okay. Uh, what's your annual household spending? 
if you know. How much do you spend a year? I think we spend about $60,000. That'd be about $5,000 a month. And I wish it was lower, but that is what it is. Okay. Do you ever use a financial? Have you ever used a financial advisor? No, I've considered paying one by the hour, but I've never have. And I think I value more at like tax. Uh, I think I, I think I would rather put my money towards an accountant just because I would like to save more on taxes. And I think, I think no. And no, I haven't. <laughs> okay. And then uh, as much as you're comfortable sharing here, what's been your, your range of household income through your work in life? So my income for most of my life was 60000 I couldn't break that that bubble for a really long time. So as a nurse, I made about 60000 I went through 2008. And so there was no increases for a long time. Then that layoff. Then I was a nurse practitioner and I couldn't get a um, full-time job. No matter where I looked, they just weren't available in Connecticut. So I was still making $60,000, though I was working less hours. And that was very frustrating. So we moved to Washington mainly because it's beautiful. And I did know that nurse practitioners get paid more on the West Coast than the East Coast. So now I'm full-time and I make $130,000. And I'm very happy my husband is in marketing works from home. This year so far, he's made 100000 but it's month by month, a lot of commission. So you don't really know. Um, he might make 200000 by the end of the year, or he might just stay at this point with like a little bit of, of money that his employer pays him just to keep him there. Yeah, that's where we're at t- today. Well, that, that's awesome. Good for you guys. You have a super high income and, and you know, as mentioned, you have a net worth of six fifty. You guys are going to get there in the next probably couple years here, right? Two, three years, maybe. That's what I'm hoping. You're you're right there. So awesome! Congrats on your success. Thanks again, Chloe, for for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.